All right. Well, listen, today's Mom's Day. We want to wish all of you that are mothers happy Mother's Day. We are so thankful for you. Uh, there are so many things that you've done that have advanced our lives, have made uh, a great impact on our lives. Uh, you guys are fantastic. You're incredible. So would you with me, uh, everyone together with one big shout, would you guys just clap and cheer and high five moms? You know what I'm saying? Come on. Good job, moms. We love you. We love you. We're so thankful for you. And so I want to say hello to all of you that are worshiping with us down in the venue and all of you that are worshiping with us in North Platte. We are thankful for moms today. I'm thankful that my mom took time to discipline me. Anybody else thankful that their mom took time to discipline them? Even chase them around the dining room table with a wooden spoon? You know what I'm saying? Like if I catch you, I get my hands on you, right? That love, I loved it, man. It was great. I, I love the fact that discipline from my mom was one of those things where she had, she had this special card that she could play, and she, pre- she pretty much had to play it every day for me. When your father gets home, all right? Does anybody have that? Does, does any mom still have that card laying around in their pocket, right? When your father gets home, right? Yeah, I mean, yeah, come on. So thank you, Mom, for disciplining us. Thank you, Mom, for encouraging us. Didn't, aren't moms amazing how they encourage you? I mean, you could make the worst artwork ever, and it's hanging on the refrigerator for a year. And then you get older like myself, just to find out you go home, and your mom still has your artwork from kindergarten. It's amazing. It's amazing how everything you put your hands on and that you did, it looked Amazing! Like when I made my mom a mud pie when we lived in Indianapolis. You know, she didn't eat it, but she told me it looks delicious, so I tried it. It wasn't delicious. It wasn't. I believed you, mom, and you set me up for failure on that one. You encouraged me a little too far. But I do love the fact that moms, they encouraged us even when we felt dejected by our peers and rejected by others. Moms just have a unique way of encouraging us and inspiring us in difficult moments or, you know, when they look at us and they just think we're amazing. I thank you, Mom, for being a mom that bandaged my wounds. Did any of you guys have a mom that had to bandage your wounds somewhat regularly, right? You were crashing your bicycle or you were doing something and you were getting hurt or something was happening. Thank you to to moms that bandage wounds. Thank you, mom, for making sure that we looked good before we walked out the door. My mom, she dressed me and yes, she literally did wipe her thumb multiple times and stick it on my face. That's because moms wanted to make sure when we walked out the door, we looked the best that we could. Thank you, mom, for hugging me, right, and making me feel secure. Yeah, it's interesting how the hug of a mother, no matter what age you are, there's something about the hug of a mother that just brings security. So thank you, moms, for hugging your kids. Thank you, mom, for for feeding me so well. I grew up nice and strong and a waistline that's slightly larger than what I ever hoped for. But I loved every moment of it. Thank you, Mom, for especially praying for me. Thank you, Moms, for praying for us. Thank you, Moms, for reading God's word to us. Amen? I think there's so many things we could say in thanking Moms. 
today. Just like the video that we just watched, it showed the actions of a mother from early childhood all the way through to a grandmother. There's something that's innate that is built inside of the heart of a mom. What makes a mom want to do these very things? What is it that makes a mom want to do that? Well, today I want to talk about a godly mom. I want to talk about a mom that's Christ-centered. And I realize that some of you, you might have grown up in a home that didn't have a Christ-centered mom. I still, I want you to hear this. There's something about this that you need to value. Some of you today are grandmothers, and you're going to hear this message, and you're going to be thoroughly inspired. And you're going to say, thank you, God, for the intuitive uh, pieces that you put inside of me that you helped me to lead with. I didn't even realize how much you were helping me. You're going to give God praise today. For some of you that are mothers and you're in the current moment of raising children, today's message is going to give you a fresh set of blueprints for you to inspire and encourage your children with. And by the way, every single one of you, all right, unless something scientifically has happened that I missed recently, every single one of you is the kid of a mother. That's profound. Think about that for a moment. Just let it soak in. Might be the deepest thing I say all morning. Every single one of you is the kid of a mother, right? And what, what God is wanting to inspire us and challenge us with today is are we living as the kid that every mother wanted to raise? Are we living as that kid? You need to hear what God's word has to say about a mother's teaching today, by the way. Look at Proverbs chapter 6. It says, my son, keep your father's commands and do not forsake whose teaching? Which one? Your mother's teaching. Way to go. Power to moms. All right? Power to moms. Don't forsake your mother's teaching. Bind them upon your heart for how long? While you were just an adolescent? Forever, right? Someone say forever. forever. That way I just know you're with me. All right. All right, good. Say forever wherever you're at. All right. Fasten them around your neck. Put them in a place where you're never going to forget it. A mother's teaching. Isn't it interesting how when you think back, your dad did give commands. You knew what was right. You knew what was wrong. You knew what the expectations were, right? And it didn't necessarily always come with explanation. You're just going to do that because why? I said so. Thank you. Thank you very much because I said so. A mom, a mom though, she was a good teacher. Christ-centered mom is a teacher. She wants to make sure that the lessons that she's instilling in you, you can live forever. And you would keep them close to your heart forever. And you would bind them around your neck forever. So thank you, moms. Thank you. Where did you get that? You got that, you got that from God. God put that inside of your heart. God opened up your eyes as a mom to look at your children and to start dreaming this God-sized dream for them that they couldn't see themselves. And then you started investing into them and you started teaching them and you started training them so that as they grew up, as we grew up, we would become the man or the woman that watch that God wants us to be. Moms, godly moms become a conduit. A conduit because we know that earthly teaching, it's like foolishness to God. So if we're going to have a teaching that comes from a mom that we should keep forever, that kind of a teaching is going to have to come from one place. It's going to have to come from a Christ-centered perspective. It's going to have to come from a mom that's a give-it-all kind of a mom. A mom that puts Christ at the center and there is no room for anything else to get in there. 
So today, I want to ask you one more time, are you living as the kid that every mom wanted to raise? Are you living as the kid that, by the way, every Christ-centered mom wanted to raise? Today, if your mom, whether she, if she's, if she was dead, if she came back, if she's out of town and she moved into town or she's here today, would your mom be able to look at you and say, I'm so proud of them. They are, they honor, they honor what I taught them and they're holding it close to their heart and they're living it out. Would that be the case? Well, today I want to help you understand what was the teachings that your mom was trying to give you that you would hang on to forever. And if you are a mom, what are the teachings that you should be instilling within your kids so that they'll hang on to them forever? Because I guarantee you something about a mom is this. They want their teachings to last and they want their teachings to make an impact. 1 Timothy chapter 3 is where we're going to be looking today. It's got a list of qualities that are there. This sermon's going to be a little bit different than normal. I'm going to ask you to bear with me and to go on the ride with me. And when we get to the end, it will all come together. In 1 Timothy chapter 3, you see a number of characteristics, and they can kind of be grouped together in a couple of of groups. The first one, which is dealing with our teaching series, and while we're building this black wall, these blocks represent essential truths out of God's Word that we want to apply to our life, and we want to keep. The first essential truth, the first block we want to put into the wall is this, that moms, they want kids to be devoted to family. In 1 Timothy chapter 3, We see a few things that are listed there dealing with a devotion to family. The first one we see is be faithful to your spouse. These are the types of lessons that our mom lived for us and taught us if she was Christ-centered. And if you want to be a Christ-centered mom, these are the kind of lessons you need to teach your kids. Manage your family well. Another thing you see in 1 Timothy is this. Raise children who are respectful and obedient. So let's just break this down for a moment. The first one would be, be faithful to your spouse. Now, every Christ-centered mom wants to instill within their kids a faithfulness to their future spouse because they know they're raising their kids and they're going to send them off. And more likely than not, they're going to get married. And they want that marriage to do what? Last for three years and end in divorce? (laughs) No. Every Christ-centered mom wants the marriage of, of their kids to be healthy and whole and to last forever. Can I have an amen from any moms? Right. Okay. So moms, feel free. I am speaking for you, right? And I am for you today. So you feel free to amen or nudge the person next to you anytime you need to. All right. You have a free license to do that today. So moms, they they want their kids to grow up to be faithful to their spouse, both physically and emotionally. They, they wanted to model for us, and they wanted to encourage us to show, show faithfulness in the way we speak truth to one another, that we would build up our spouse and not tear them down, that we wouldn't live self-centered, me-centered, but we would live to serve the one who God put in our lives. You know, part of that being faithful to a spouse was being faithful to follow the vows that we made on a day that we stood on a platform probably similar, similar to this. You remember those vows? Remember the vows that, you know, your mom would be challenging you today to, to live out and to fulfill? You remember what those sounded like? It sounded maybe something like this. I take you to be my spouse and constant friend, my faithful companion, and my love from this day forward. Remember those words? Showing faithfulness. In the presence of God, our family and friends, they offer you this solemn vow to be faithful to you in, listen, sickness and in health. In good times and in bad, as joy 
as well as in sorrow. I promise to love you unconditionally, to support you in your goals, to honor and respect you, to laugh and to cry with you, and to cherish you for as long as we both shall live. Husbands, reach over and squeeze your wife's hand right now to let them know that's the man I want to be, right? Right? Amen. Amen. If you're sitting next to your mom, you squeeze her hand. You say, mom, that's the kid that I want to be because that's the kid you raised. You raised a kid who would live that out and be faithful to that. Why? Because faithful love shown between a husband and a wife in a marriage is the backbone of the family. To love God and then to love your neighbor. Matthew 22. The basics of Christianity. The prime command, right, is to love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and to love your neighbor as yourself. And you know what? If your mom was here today, she would whisper into your ear, the closest neighbor you have is your spouse. That's what she would whisper. Whisper it right into your ear. Because that's the type of kid that every mom wants to raise if she's Christ-centered and she's godly. A A kid who devotes themselves and loves their neighbor. I can say one thing about my mom, and if my mom's watching today, which she normally, she's normally worshiping with us every single Sunday from St. Louis, and every sermon that I preach is like the best ever. And so... Thank you, Mom, for the encouragement. I love you. One of the things that my mom modeled for me, and I hope your mom modeled for you, was this faithfulness to a spouse. I can't recall an instant, a moment, where it was ever awkward because my mom was in an inappropriate situation with another man, or even in an inappropriate conversation with another man. But what I can remember, and I recall often, over and over and over and over again, is her faithfulness to my father in all times and in all seasons. When things got difficult, she was faithful. When they were on the pinnacle, she was faithful. When they had their nice little spats, like all couples do, still faithful. Had his back still was a woman of integrity. And that brought great security to our home. And I want to say thank you to all moms who live their life in a way to honor the spouse that God gave them. You are creating security in the home that kids like me want to go and reproduce naturally. Keep following God in that. Keep following it because that's a godly principle. You know, the second piece of that keep of being devoted to family was manage your family well. That was one of the statements that comes out of 1 Timothy chapter 3. Manage your family well. You know what that means, though? It defined that, manage your family well. It means to basically lead them, to govern them, and to direct them, but watch this, with compassion. Compassion. Not just tyrannical leadership, Not this harsh leadership. You know, not this domineering leadership. That's not what managing your family well is. It's doing it out of compassion. It's having compassion, but it's having a firmness to it. And I know that when I look back on my childhood and I look at my mom, I go, I don't know that I can recall a moment where my mom crossed that line and became harsh. Where my mom crossed the line and she became a tyrannical type of a leader. Now, I do know that my mom was extremely lenient at times, and maybe too lenient. But to balance that lenience out, she could always pull the dad card out and slap it on the table and go, wait till your father gets home, right? And that brought complete balance to the home. So my mom could be soft and tender and compassionate that way, and she could lay down that card, and they worked together well as a family. Every Christ-centered mom wants, listen, 
Every Christ-centered mom wants their grandchildren to be passionate about God. Now, that's bad. I, I say a big statement like that, and the first amen doesn't sound like a woman. It sounds from over here it's like, amen, like that. Doesn't every Christ-centered mom want their grandchildren to be passionate worshipers of Jesus? Okay, that's better. That's better. That's a little octave higher. I like that. Of course you do. Of course you do. I I, I know that that's what my wife wants. I know that that's what my mom wants. Guess how that's going to happen? When we, as the kid, the kid of a mom, when we manage our homes in a Christ-centered attitude. When you make sure that you're managing your home Christ-centered, Kids, we are going to honor God. Kids, we are going to put God first. Kids, you're going to sit down with me and we are going to pray. Kids, I'm going to teach you what it means to read God's word. Kids, I'm going to teach you how to honor God with your finances. Moms, please don't stop teaching your kids how to put Christ at the center of their life. Don't stop. You might feel like you're like racing up a hill all the time. Don't stop. We need it. God says we have to hang on to those teachings forever. Forever. So if you, if you want your grandchildren to be passionate worshipers of Christ, then that means you as a parent, as the kid, you have to set up your home in such a way that puts Christ first. That's just what we're going to have to do. And when Christ is at the center, when we manage our family with a God-driven mandate... Guess what is much more likely to become a byproduct? Children that respect and children that obey. I know that every kid has their own personal will. Every kid does. I have one. My personal will caused me to turn and run for a season of time. But guess what I couldn't run away from? I couldn't run away from what was haunting me in a a godly way, which was the teachings of my mom and my dad. I couldn't get away from them. They were constantly in my ears. They chased me in my rebellion. They hunted me down in my strive for independence. The words, the teaching, the modeling, the exampling, those things haunted me in the night when I laid there on my bed contemplating and reflecting back on the actions, the evil, wicked actions of my life. Moms, you need to know that God-centered teaching and management of your family, it chases your kids even in their darkest moments. So don't quit and don't give up because it's the byproduct of that. The byproduct is more likely often, more often than not, kids that are grow up in respect and kids that grow up in obedience. I can proudly say to my mom that the legacy of that God-centered management of her home lives on to this day where my kids are putting Christ first and the kids that they're raising are putting Christ first. It's not just the grandchildren. It's the great-grandchildren. Moms, teach your children well to put Christ first. Manage your home from a Christ-centered perspective. Essential truth, number two, though, says this, that moms want kids with high personal standards. High personal standards. And 1 Timothy chapter 3 is loaded with these things. Take a look at this. It says this about, you know, our lives. We should be exercising self-control. That's a high standard. It's a high standard. In our society, 
It's really, it's totally bent the opposite direction. It's not about self-control. It's about self-indulgence. Here's another one. Don't be violent. Okay? How about this one? Don't be a heavy drinker. How about this one? Don't be quarrelsome. How about this one? Don't let money control you. High standards. Every mom wants their kid to live by these high standards if they're a Christ-centered, godly mom. But it doesn't stop there. It keeps going. It says this, be gentle. And then it says, show hospitality. And other things in 1 Timothy, be humble. Here's another one. Have a good reputation inside and outside the church. These are the types of high standards that a Christ-centered mom has been wanting to raise her kids to be or a Christ-centered mom that raised you. She wanted us to live this way. She wanted us to show self-control in all situations. That means that, you know, her expectation was that we would consider our actions before we act. We would consider our speech before we open up our mouth and we say it. That we would consider, we would consider finances from a godly perspective before we just go and splurge and spend and waste. Because a Christ-centered mom knows that whatever, whatever, Um, you don't control has the ability to do what control you and every christ-centered mom wants their kids to be trained up raised up and to go into this world as powerful weapons to be used by god to build his kingdom he he wants she wants them to be sharpened and to be shaped and to be passionate about god so that god could use them to do great things in his kingdom but when you're living your life out of control that's impossible So one of the things that our moms did for us, I I pray your mom did this for you, I would get home after school with my backpack and my books and that kind of stuff, and after my mom hugged me, kissed me, and gave me, you know, my peanut butter and jellies that were cut into four little nice little triangles, come on, you got to love moms for stuff like that, and your mom had her own little thing, might have been a grilled cheese, might have been a banana, I don't know what it was, every mom's got their nice little thing that they want to put in your hands and put in your belly, right? Make you happy. After that, when you just thought, wow, mom's in a great mood today. Maybe I am going to get to go play before I do my homework. Nope. Mom steps in and says, by the way, son, do you have some homework? Yes, I do. Then you know what you're going to be doing before you play, right? You're going to get your homework done. Now you thought to yourself, that's such a mean mom. The sun is only up for so long and you make me go to bed at 730. What is up with this, right? But what was your mom trying to teach you? Self-control. Self-control that there are important things that have to be done before you get to do the things that just please you. There's responsibility that you have. Man, she wanted you not just to grow up to be smart. She wants you to grow up with the responsibility. That means you got to implement self-control. That's from from the heart of a Christ-centered mom. Here's some other things that we listed in that, in that uh, high standards. We listed show hospitality, right? We, we listed gentleness, and we listed humanity. My mom had the kind of home that every kid after school, she wanted, they, they wanted to come to her home. Because my mom would take them in and treat them as if they were their, her very own kids. She would feed them with a nice little sandwich. She would make extras. It all just kind of came out of nowhere, or fresh cookies would be made, or something. But she would grab those kids and bring them in. I watched my own mom help my friends with their homework so they could pass a test. My mom kept a couple of our football players playing football to keep their grades above it. 
He goes, they would come to my house, and, they, and my mom would help her, help them do their homework. I watched my mom kind of show that hospitality, show that gentleness, and show that humility. She encouraged them, and she made them feel special. You know what is at the root of, of this hospitality and gentleness and humility? You know what's at the root of it? Sharing. Now, come on. Did any of your moms challenge you with, you have to be, you have to share that toy or you have to share that snack? Come on, if, if your mom challenged you that you have to share, I want you to put your hand up. You're right, it should be almost every one of us. But did you know that it was beyond the share the toy that when she was being hospitable, when she was showing gentleness and humility, that she was teaching us the essence of what true sharing is and that that is Christ-centered sharing? It's the qualities that cause you to build friendships and create fewer enemies. So if you want to show greater hospitality, have people into your home this week. If you're a life group leader, you're showing great hospitality by having people come into your home every single week. If you attend a life group, maybe you should invite the whole group to come over to your house next week and hold the group there. Or this summer, plan a barbecue where you can have some of your friends, you know, and some of your neighbors come to your house. Show some hospitality. But also, show gentleness. Please, never forget. Gentleness is a strength. It's ten times harder to show gentleness when you could show the opposite, harshness. You do realize that, right? When you're given a moment where you can be harsh, it takes ten times the amount of strength to show gentleness. Now, I don't know where I got the ten, ten times greater. It's just a good number. right? So don't Google that. I don't know what the real number is. I think you get the point, though. It's harder to show gentleness. Gentleness is a strength. The next time you're in a situation where you could be harsh about something, restrain and show gentleness, wow, you'll make a Christ-centered mom proud. And I think you'll grow and you'll learn some things about what it really means to live Christ-centered. But that humility piece, humility is, is an art. It's an art of placing others First, it's an, it's an art of placing a higher value on others than you do yourself. I think that's a beautiful example. It's probably a beautiful description of a Christ-centered mom. A Christ-centered mom places a higher value on others than she does her own self. Where do you think she gets that? Jesus, absolutely. Look at what Matthew 20 says. Jesus said this about himself. He goes, you know, for even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve to serve others, and to give his life as a ransom for many. A Christ-centered mom spent her life teaching you the principles of what it looks like to live your life all out for Jesus. Serving, serving and expecting little in return. Serving, praying for the future. Serving, investing, you know, intuitively into God's dream that God placed inside of her heart that she was trying to build and develop inside of you. That's a Christ-centered mom trying to instill that. The humility says, I am living on this earth right now to make you the best, just like Jesus. Jesus came and gave his life like a ransom so that your life might be amazing in eternity. Not so that your life would just be amazing on this earth, 
but that your life would be amazing in eternity. This world's going to have all kinds of struggles and pain and, str- and scraps and, you know, conflict and all kinds of things are going to happen because we live in a sinful, broken world. But the ransom of Christ sets up an amazing eternity for you. And our moms, Christ-centered moms, live their lives so that our future might also be in that eternity with God. But this whole high standards ends with have a good reputation both inside the church and outside the church. I think it's sad to say that some of us in this room, if we were brutally honest with ourselves, we'd have to say, inside this church, I have a good reputation. Outside this church, it's not the same. And there's something about having that reputation in and out that really shows the true character of a man or a woman. And our mothers, right or wrong, God-centered moms, they wanted us, they wanted others to look at us and think highly of us. They wanted God to look at us and think highly of us. That's what Christ-centered moms wanted. Where did they get this intuitive, amazing list of qualities that they wanted to instill within us? They obviously got them from God. I've been quoting to you from 1 Timothy chapter 3. What's so powerful about 1 Timothy chapter 3? is that God's giving us a list here of qualities that he's saying, I want you to consider aspiring to these qualities. I want you to consider giving your life to these qualities and grow in them because as God, your father, ruler, king, master, he looks at your life and he's got a dream for you, a dream that is more defined than your mom could ever have, a dream, a dream that far surpasses anything your mom could ever give you, God has a dream for our lives that is something probably that's going to blow your mind away. And in 1 Timothy chapter 3, God spells it out. I would like to read that in its entirety for you now. Verses 1 through 7 says this. This is a trustworthy saying. If someone, hang on to this word, aspires to be an, uh, an elder, um, he desires an honorable position. So an elder, spiritual leader, must be a man whose life is above reproach. He must be faithful to his wife. He must exercise self-control, live wisely, and have a good reputation. Does any of this stuff sound familiar to what we were talking about? He must enjoy having guests in his home, and he must be able to teach. He must not be a heavy drinker or be violent. He must be gentle, not quarrelsome, and not a lover of money. He must manage his own home his own family well, excuse me, having children who respect and obey him. For if a man cannot manage his own household, how can he take care of God's church? How can he advance even God's kingdom in the world he lives in? An elder must not be a new believer because he might become proud and the devil would cause him to fall. He's got to be humble. Also, people outside the church must do what? Speak well of him so that he will not be disgraced and fall into the devil's trap. Guys, this high standard, this high standard that all godly moms have been trying to live by, it comes from the heart of God. God is the one who's challenging you and me today. And he's saying to us, you want to become the the kid every godly mom wanted to raise? Then I want to challenge you to aspire to be these things. Aspire to be them. Time out. Time out. You might have been thinking, oh, 
To be, a, to be a spiritual leader is something that I have to wait for some big mandate from God where the heavens open up and God opens up his mouth and he goes, hey, you down there, Jeff Baker, I want you to go do these great things for me. This passage is telling us aspire to it. You know what aspire would mean? You, go put hard work and hard labor into it. You, give. Give everything you have. Use that tenacity. Use all of those character and quality traits that your godly mom raised you to be and put those into practice to pursue all that God wants for you. Aspire to it. So my question to you today is this. What are you aspiring to? What are you aspiring to become? Is your list that you instantly come up with just a list of human things? Just a list of corporate things? Or are they spiritual things? Are they the type of man or woman that would model their life after 1 Timothy chapter 7, verses 1 through 7? Is that even making it on the list of the things that you're aspiring to? Because let me tell you something. You'll never be the kid that every godly mom wanted to raise unless you're aspiring spiritually to be the man or woman that God just spelled out here in this passage. And that's what's important. Whether your mom can pat you on the back, give you a hug, high-five you, make you another peanut butter and jelly sandwich and sit you down at the table and tell you how proud, of, proud she is of you or not, you and me still need to be aspiring to be the greatest spiritual influencer in this world that we can be. We aspire to it. What character traits, what qualities did we mention today that just possibly the Holy Spirit is trying to stir inside of you and use to help you become all God wants you to be. What's going on inside of you right now? See, God gave you your mom for a season, but he gave you the Holy Spirit for a lifetime. And the Holy Spirit is here today, and he's nudging you on your heart. And he's pulling at the strings of your heart, and he's inside of your mind right now and he's trying to get you to focus in on what it would look like for you to aspire to become the greatest spiritual influence on this planet that you can be but to do that means you're going to have to surrender you're going to have to humble yourself you're going to have to kneel down before god and say god i'm not what you want me to be but i want i want to become the man or the woman that you that you you desire for me to be And to do that, God, you've given us this list of qualities, and these two qualities really stand out to me. These are the things I sense in my heart that you're speaking to me because these are the deficiencies in my life that you want to strengthen in me. These are the areas. Maybe I don't have a great reputation today, but God, with your help, I want to get one. Maybe I'm not as gentle as I need to be, God, but with with your anointing and with the power of your spirit, I want to get there. God, maybe, I'm, maybe I don't enjoy having people over to my house and influencing them, but God, help me to become more hosp- hospitable. God, maybe I'm an abuser of some of the substances on this planet. Maybe I am that heavy drinker. God, I don't want to be that man because that man doesn't line up with you. God, I want to aspire to be the best person that you can have me to be. I want to be a person in your hand that's a sharpened tool that's used by your hand to impact this world for the kingdom of God. What is on the list? And I want to challenge you, church, today. Aspire to become it. Aspire. Sell yourself out. Obviously, on this earth, that would make any godly mom extremely proud. That would put a smile on a face of a godly mom that would last all day long. It'd be greater than a hug. Even more powerful than a spa day. 
definitely more encouraging than an appliance. And even more special than those bunny slippers. Godly moms, godly moms have a similar trait inside of them as our Heavenly Father. They want to see us sell out to God. They want to see us aspire to become as Christ-centered as possible. So let's, let's both honor our godly moms and let's honor Jesus above all things. And after I pray, let's stand and let's worship God with a tenacity. Let's worship God with passion. Let's worship God and hold nothing back. Let's aspire to be closer to God when we walk out of these doors than when we walked in. Let's aspire to be passionate for Jesus today. Let's just see, if we sell out to him today, what might change and transform inside of our hearts? Why don't you stand and let's pray. Father, we thank you today that, Lord, through your word, it brings instruction, it challenges us, it inspires us, And Lord, today it might be rebuking us as well. But Lord, we know one thing about your word. It constantly points us to a relationship with you. And it constantly opens up our eyes to see your very character and your very nature. That we might sell out and abandon ourselves to you and to your cause. That Lord, help us to be people in this room today and those that hear my voice that we would sell out and stop trying just to accomplish what we think is the best for us on this earth and sell out so we can accomplish all that you have for us in this lifetime and in the life to come. Lord, I pray for this church down in the venue, out in North Platte, here in our main auditorium, that, Lord, we would be a people aspiring to become all that you want for us, aspiring, selling out, hungering after Lord, charging for, giving whatever we have to give away so that we can become the spiritual influencers and leaders that you want for us to be, that your kingdom would advance in our day, that your church would grow, and that our lives would be passionate in worship for you. Lord, may this church aspire to be passionate in their worship. May they aspire, Lord, to sell out and to give you all. Lead us in this time of worship. Bring us to our knees in humility before you, humbling ourselves, saying, God, let your character traits be developed in us. In Jesus' name, amen.